Welcome to the Keystone Church Podcast. Keystone Church is located in Keller, Texas, in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Now, let's prepare our hearts for this week's message. It is Vision Sunday. And on this Vision Sunday, I'm just overwhelmed by what God is doing. Honestly, today's kind of like Vision Day because of Revival Night tonight. Um, We've got some stories. If you like prayer, if you like the presence of God, if you like miracles, I'm talking biblical signs and wonders. If If you like to see God move in a way you've never experienced, you would love Revival Night because we make a space for God to heal, God to help, to receive prayer, for us to sing, to hear testimonies. And we have some stories that are gonna blow you away. So today's kind of vision day where we're all gonna just experience God today because we're breaking a fast. We've been 21 days of fasting. Are you excited to break the fast, church? And here we are bringing donuts right up to your face and you're on a sugar fast. But uh, no, today is a beautiful day. And when I was asking the Lord, God, you're weeks away. God, as we think forward, what do you, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? Where do we want to ground this thing? Where do you want to anchor this thing? What's a passage? What's a scripture? And I always have a tendency to kind of say, what's new? What's new? What's new? Give me something new. Give me something new. And God just talked back to me. He said, I will give you something new and you'll have new things to share, but I want to anchor this on something that's old. I want to anchor this on something that for Keystoners, if you open up your Bible and you write notes in your Bible and you've been with us for a while, you're going to see that I've been here before. We've been here before. And God has taken me back to a passage I preached a year ago. God's taken me back to a place where in 2021, we walked through the whole life of Joshua, the book of Joshua, the life of Joshua. And uh, it took us, I think, 18 weeks to walk through the book that is like we were the people of Israel walking through for 40 years, you know. But it was one of my favorite series that I've ever preached, truly. And God said, I want you to go back. I want you to go back. So, Joshua chapter 1, verse 6 Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. Be strong and courageous. That's a vision. God was giving Joshua a vision before he had ever had conquest of the land. Here's my vision for you. Let's go. And then in Joshua chapter 11, verse 23, so Joshua, what did he do? He took the whole land according to all that the Lord had spoken to Moses. That's progress. So God gave him a vision conquest of the land. This is the land that I had prepared for you, set apart for you. It has been occupied by an evil that was so dark and so rampant and so unsafe and so depraved that his own judgment was coming on those people. And Israel, you are the justice that's coming into the land, but also it's a metaphor for our lives. That evil has no place in our lives and it must be conquered, it must be driven out. That's the book of Joshua. And he said, be strong and courageous. You know, when you have a vision, God's gonna give you what you need to accomplish that vision. 
Things you don't have right now, he will install in your life. Things that you do have but are asleep, he'll wake up. Be strong and courageous. And then we see the progress. By chapter 11, he had conquered the whole land. He had conquered the whole land. Again, we're talking about, I think, over 30 kings he conquered. I think in in something around 15 battles he conquered. And he just navigated his way all over that promised land And he did what God said he could do. The vision was achieved, conquest. It was progress. But then in Joshua 13, we have a curious thing. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years. So this is many years later. Joshua was old and advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, you are old and advanced in years. Thank you, God. (laughs) Anybody know God tells the truth? You are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. This is the land that yet remains, all the regions of the Philistines and all those of the Geshurites, and then he went on and on, and he named the specific geography that was yet not fully possessed. Verse six, I myself will drive them out from before the people of Israel, only allot the land to Israel for you as an inheritance as I have commanded you. So in Joshua chapter one, we have a vision. In Joshua chapter 11, we have progress. But in Joshua chapter 13, we have a problem. We have a problem. And it may even be a little confusing because I thought in chapter 11 that what I just read, he had conquered the whole land. But then in chapter 13, but there is still much land to possess. Hmm, how does that work? How does that work? Because there's a difference between conquering and possessing. Sometimes we conquer and we have a moment of victory, but we do not fully possess the inheritance, that's what we just read, the inheritance that God has for you. In other words, the inheritance God has for you is more than one victory. It's all about Occupy. It's all about possess. So the title of this Vision Sunday is Possess the Land. Possess the Land. You know, I love football so much. And it was January 11th, 2015, on the frozen tundra of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Lambeau Field. Y'all know where I'm going? It was uh, fourth quarter, fourth and two. We were down by five against Green Bay, down by five against Green Bay. We were on Green Bay's, I think, 36 or 38-yard line. So it, it, it was, we, we had some ways to go, and this was the play. If, if, if Tony Romo didn't make the first down, it's game over, really. There's not a lot of hope. And so instead of just running it for two yards, something signaled for Romo to go for it, and Des Bryant began to run down the sidelines, and Romo heaved one up, the gunslinger that he was, heaved one up to Des, and Des high-pointed up in the air, just like you imagine that he was always taught, but this is a clinic on high-pointing a ball. He gets up, he grabs it. This was his signature move. He could get up and go get it. He was vicious, he was a warrior. He never lacked passion, and he would go up, and he grabbed it, and he came down with the ball. It was ridiculous. He began to move away from his defender, and then he leaped 
like Superman. He is flying in the air. He is flying in the air, and he reaches out to take the ball over the goal line, and it hit the ground over the goal line, crossed the line, and it wobbled, and it wobbled. And it was a catch. It was a catch. Here's what, if you don't know what we were just crying over right there, what you don't know is that Mike McCarthy threw the red flag, challenged the play, even the commentators. I went back and I watched it again. I wept. <laughs> they were saying, why did he throw the red flag? Is he trying to see if he actually got it over the goalpost without touching a knee or something? No, he was flying like Superman. Uh, but he threw the red flag and they came back and said, not a catch. Not a catch. Here's what Des Bryant said. All I know is I had possession. I had possession of the ball coming down. That's possession, right? One, two, reach, bam. That's possession, that's possession. Can you feel the pain? <laughs> Here's the truth. It only counts if there's truly a possession. The ruling on the field, no matter what anybody felt, the ruling on the field was no possession. I too believe it was a catch, but the ruling on the field was no possession. It would be heartbreaking if you had a victory and then you didn't take possession of what the victory meant. You see, we have a stubborn pattern of stopping short. We have a stubborn pattern of stopping short. And it is our prayer today, just like those words. I'll read it again. There remains yet very much land to possess. There remains yet very much land to possess. You've had a victory in your marriage. She was one signature away from signing those divorce papers. She was out the door. And somehow y'all came here, your marriage has been saved, you've experienced a miracle in your marriage, and I've seen this, where you're in the church, your hands are high, you're singing loud, God's doing a work, it's a miracle that you're even together. And then a few months later, you stop short of fully possessing. You stop working on your marriage. You go back to some of the old patterns. You know, when you go backwards from a victory, sometimes it hurts way worse because you've tasted victory. And now you're not numb to the mediocrity. Now it hurts. It's, it's foul. It's bitter in your mouth but there is still much land to possess. Our vision for you today is there is still much land to possess in your marriage. There's still much land to possess in your parenting. There's still much land, to, hey, you may be killing it at work. Hey, don't stop working, don't stop getting better. Have the fire of a 21-year-old right out of college. Don't let somebody else outwork you. Don't let somebody else outwork you. I was watching a, a, a a documentary, because I can't watch any of my crime shows that I love, because I'm on a fast. And I was watching a sports documentary on Magic Johnson, and it was a 30 for 30, and he said that his coach looked at him and said, somewhere in America, there's somebody who's seven feet tall, and that somebody is in a gym. Is that somebody working harder than you? And later he said, he went back to his coach, he said, I found that somebody, his name's Larry Bird. That's true, true story. I heard that with my own ears. So all y'all, Larry Bird, hashtag greatness. 
No, magic was greatness. And, um, but you know, I, I, I would hate to think, I would hate to think that our kids aren't getting the best of us. Don't they deserve the best of us? Don't stop short. Don't stop short. Your kids may be at a kind of a good place, like their hair is not on fire and, and they're not breaking your heart. You're not crying yourself to sleep at night. And so you're looking at your kid and you're saying, hey, things are pretty good. They want to go on Wednesday night and, and they've made some friends and they're making good choices. They're pretty good. I don't have to worry about that one. I got a word for you. Don't sleep on that one. You pray for that one. You pray for that because that, that one with their little smiley faces has every bit of a sin nature that you do. Don't, don't stop praying for the kids that aren't giving you problems. They deserve the best of you. Don't stop short of possessing the potential of your parenting. Yeah, you may not be dealing with some problems, but that means God wants to move you on to a double black diamond of these other problems. These problems of really mountain shifting and, and, and real change in their life where they can go far beyond you ever dreamed of going. Don't stop short in your parenting. Don't stop short. Don't stop short. There is a stubborn pattern because see, there yet remains very much land to possess. In Joshua 15, 63, it says, but the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, people of Judah could not drive out. So the Jebusites dwell with the people of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. Then the next chapter, Joshua 16, however, they did not drive out the Canaanites who lived in Gezer. So the Canaanites have lived in the midst of Ephraim to this day. One more chapter later. So you have 15, 16. They're not driving them out. They're not driving them out. That was the command. He said, whenever you go in, drive them out. And again, it's a metaphor for our lives. Don't let evil rest. Don't, don't allow some evil crutch to just coincide. Don't let it. Drive it out. Chapter 17, this is where you begin to see a principle. Yet the people of Manasseh, Manasseh was one of the 12 tribes of Israel, so these are Israelites. So it'd be almost like we're all Americans, but this is Texas. Yet the, Judah would have been Texas, but anyway, we're gonna move on. Yet the people of Manasseh, some of y'all got that, I love that. The people of Manasseh could not take possession of those cities, but the Canaanites persisted in dwelling in that land. You see now, one of the truths we learned back in 21, whenever, where were you back in 21? When we walked through this, we learned that sometimes the Canaanites were too strong for the people of Israel, so God would, would kind of move them away from that group, and he'd have them attack over here, and he'd move over here, and when they were strong enough, he'd take them back over there. And there's no, there's no problem uh, if a mountain is too big for you right now. God may choose for you to take a little longer, take some incremental steps toward getting there. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Here's where it went wrong. So they were not strong enough to drive out the Canaanites. Okay. Now, when the people of Israel grew strong, okay, so now they're strong enough. Now that you're strong enough, drive them out. Now, when the people of Israel grew strong, they put the Canaanites to forced labor, but they did not utterly drive them out. So they allowed the Canaanites to stay and be convenient to them. And there may be some patterns in your life that you've had some victory. Maybe in the workplace, you've had some victory. But there's these tools and techniques that you've used for years in your business. And they've served you well, made you a lot of money. But you know they break the heart of God. And you've allowed those pesky few little Canaanites to stay in your workflow. Drive them out. Trust God you just say, I don't know what's gonna happen. If I stop going here, if I stop taking my clients to this, if I stop, if I stop, trust God for the results. You're strong enough. Drive them out. Drive them out. And life, don't stop short 
of the full possession of God's potential for your life. It's like you ran a marathon two years ago, and I am so proud of you for running a marathon. Anytime I ever run, I feel like my whole body is just punching me. Right, I can't imagine running a marathon, but you ran a marathon, and I, I, I would clap for you, I would celebrate for you, but it'd be like running a marathon and making a pretty good time, and then after you run that marathon, you never exercise again. You're done. You had your victory, but you didn't possess a healthy lifestyle. So you had your victory, how about a lifestyle? How about some habits? You've been on this fast for 21 days, and we're all excited to go back to some of the patterns that we put on pause for a little while because those are not bad things. But in a 21-day fast, often we will discover that some of the habits we were living with are not good habits. Is anybody, is that your story? And you say, you know what? After 21 days of not doing that, I'm good. I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that drink every night. I don't need as much sugar in my life. I, I don't know what it is for you, but I don't need that. And what happened in the 21 days, you learned who's the master. You told that food or that drink or that whatever that you fasted from, you are in your place. And, and, but what if you had 21 days and God showed you you were embracing a bad habit and you knew freedom from that bad habit and you went right back into that bad habit? then you did not possess the land. As a church, almost two years ago, we inhabited this campus. It was, we conquered. Some of you don't know where we came from. You've never driven by, you've never seen the furniture store. You could not imagine the leap from there to here. I mean, even just this wonderful stage, it's so smooth. <laughs> like, if you were wearing high heels, I've never done that, by the way. But if, <laughs> if you're wearing heels, Susan would say, man, I gotta be careful because my heels will get stuck in one of the little slits of the board and, you know, because it was handmade. You know, we handmade that poor little stage. It was like antique stage, you know. It was pre-Civil War era stage. <laughs> you know, we didn't have room for all of you. We didn't have room for all of you. And it was just a different experience. It was wonderful. It was sweet but God gave us a vision for this and it required sacrifice, years of sacrificial giving, years of prayer, years of us marching and marching and marching and then all of a sudden COVID strikes in the middle of a building program and we keep marching and digging in and delays and supply chain and then we had ice Mageddon and more delays and, and even uh, problems on the side, all that. And we walked through that together. And then when we came in here, it was like people of Israel crossed the River Jordan. We celebrated conquering. And this campus truly is a miracle of God. And I'm not done celebrating it. I'm not done celebrating the faithfulness and the sacrifice. But a temptation could be, now that we're here, whoo, okay. No more vision worthy of sacrifice. We've already sacrificed. I've already pushed in. I've already prayed like that. Oh, I've got my comfortable seat and I've made my new friends, us four, no more. I don't need a vision worthy of sacrifice. Brandon, I'm tired. I'll never forget meeting with the bankers and them saying, you know, what's your plan after you move in? Because you've been in a campaign for a long time. You've been raising money for a long time. And I looked at them across the table. I said, you just don't know our people. 
You see, our people come up to me and they say, hey, what's the next big vision? I'm ready to sacrifice. They got fire in their eyes. We crazy around here. <laughs> You're crazy. Yeah. Something's wrong with Amadula Ablangara. Here's a promise we made. We will always, right? Some of you have been there since day one. We will always have a vision worthy of sacrifice. We will always have a vision worthy of sacrifice because we refuse to stop short, get comfortable here. The room's full, we're good. Room's full, worship's great. How could it be better? We're about to find out. So how do I do this? How do I do this? Well, if you ever wanna possess in your life, a vision God has given you, and I'm gonna move quickly, you must exercise your God-given authority. Authority. Let me read you this. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus was commissioning his disciples to do great and mighty things, and he said, look, I have given you authority over all the power over of the enemy, and you can walk among the snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because the evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven, and God gave them a special anointing and protection from physical harm in that moment. That was their sign of wonder, but I'm telling you, God, for every vision he gives you, he gives you authority, and he equips you for what you need to unlock that inheritance, that vision. So you gotta walk into your, I think we're too timid. We're too timid. Yeah, I got a vision for my kids loving Jesus, but you're fearful of their friends? You're fearful to tell them that no, you can't have that sleepover? You're freaked out to draw some lines in the sand? It's too timid, it's too timid. Do you have, are you more afraid of what a coach is gonna say to you? over what the Lord would say to you? Are you more afraid of disappointing a coach? Or more afraid of cutting playing time for your kid? Let me tell you something, you lose a few minutes, you build a lifetime of character, I say you win. I say you win. You see, we're too timid, we're too fearful, we've gotta move, yeah, we've gotta move with boldness and exercise our God-given authority. Let me tell you this, today is Vision Sunday, and if you came thinking, okay, well that's cool, we're gonna hear some of the fun things we're gonna do this year. I'm gonna fill out my calendar, it's gonna be great. I got a word for you. This preacher came into this room with Holy Spirit unction in my heart. We are not filling out a calendar. We see things here. We see what God wants here. We see things, and I'm telling you, we claim the vision with authority. We claim it. I'm telling you, if the vision is right there, we put our spiritual hands on that vision and we claim it and we will walk on every acre that God has given us. We will march, we will walk, we will occupy, we will possess because we refuse to be fearful when we have authority. Parents, you have authority to parent. You have authority to fight for your marriage. You have authority for dominion in your job. You have authority. Claim it with authority. Don't be shy. Don't be timid. Come on, walk with a little something. I, talk with, I talked about posture in a message not long ago. It's gonna be, yeah, I talked about posture. And posture is something that I have always fought. I don't know, I just, I have a natural. <laughs> and I, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> Susan says that I'm more attractive like this. So I hurt my back. 
And all of a sudden, in one second, after hurting my back, boom, I had perfect posture. Perfect posture. Now, I still retreat sometimes and I, I mess up, but when I was in pain, I had perfect posture. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. To claim your authority, you gotta be willing to have a posture and it may have some pain, but you must have a posture of authority. I mean physically do it. I mean physically. You just stand up when you're walking into that hard meeting and you do something that physically says, I got the Holy Spirit with me as I go in here. I'm claiming authority in that boardroom. I'm claiming authority on that sales call. I'm claiming authority as I walk into this hard room with my kid. I'm claiming authority. Devil, get out of here. This ground is, belongs to the Lord. You just get straight up like that. You just bow up. I mean bow up. Anybody know what bow up means? Is that just me? Is that Beaumont Brandon talking? <laughs> bow up. Bow up. Some of y'all know where Beaumont is. I bet you never vacationed there. <laughs> no VR, there's no thriving VRBO business in Beaumont. I'm taking too long. Let's get to the vision. With authority, here is what we see. We see that no one this year will be turned away from Keystone Church. Let no one be turned away from Keystone Church. And you think, wow, if this room is too full, that means the parking lot's too full and it's hard. And sometimes if you're too full, people will drive up and then they'll drive away. And the devil won that day because who knows what they needed to hear. It's not just, we're not playing games here while our enemy plays for keeps. They needed it. They needed it. We need it. So we're gonna make sure no one is turned away. And you know what that means? That means at some point this year, we're gonna start our third service. Now, I'm not here to announce what time. Honestly, what's gonna happen is we're probably gonna reshake up all of the service times to add a third service. But we're gonna have a third service because it feels awesome in a full room, but I want you to know it's not awesome being turned away. And we're gonna do it for the glory of God. And I wanna, I wanna tell you, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to take ground on that third service with authority. Not only that, but the third theater in our kids' ministry, we've got two functioning elementary theaters and we built a third one and it's bigger than the other two and uh, we need it. And, and we don't need it immediately, but, but we need it soon. And so we're gonna be praying and casting that vision this year of let's finish out that third theater, which adds some complications because we use it for storage and it's a, it's a little complicated, all that storage and, and how do we do it? We're gonna all cross that bridge when we get there, but understand this, we are going to expand because we don't want those rooms too full. We want those kids learning about Jesus. We don't want it to be too wild. We want it to be a great environment. And if that means we open a third theater, hey, let no one be turned away from hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, that involves parking. You know, something in our parking, this is so awesome. It's awesome and then it's not. What's awesome is we're reaching so many students and so many students serve on the weekend. You've seen them that our parking ratios when we were planning this campus have totally changed. We have less people riding together and we have more people coming solo. Uh, it's that way in my family. I come, kids are coming at a different time and all that. And so we've broken our ratios. And so we have 
uh, we need a little more parking, really, for this campus to be perfectly balanced. And, uh, and so we're gonna have to address that. I'm excited to address that, why? Because I'm excited, I'll take a parking problem to reach the young generation. We'll do it, I don't, I, I'm happy, I'm happy every time. If that's whatever the solution is that we come up with, however God does it, I have ideas, but however God does it, we're gonna enhance our overflow. Our overflow is gonna be enhanced, it's gonna be an incredible experience with technology. Uh, for those days that we do go over, uh, out of this room, that exceeds our capacity in this room, we wanna have a great experience for those, especially those that got here a little late, Sometimes that's a guest. We wanna make sure that's a great experience for them as well, okay? So we will let no one be turned away to the glory of God. How about this vision? A supernatural growth of our influence. We have a vision for our influence to grow. We used to say, God, would you build us a bigger platform so we could do more good? And what that means, it speaks to influence. And influence is a biblical thing. In Matthew chapter five, the Bible says this. The Bible says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is absolutely in our heart. We refuse to be ignored. If anybody were to say, hey, if you say, if say, say to me, Brent, I never knew this existed. I never knew about this church. How did I not know about this church? I may be smiling on the outside, but I am crying on the inside because God's good news deserves to be known everywhere. And we don't depend on any other church. We do what God asks us to do. And, and our vision is that within driving distance of this church, everybody knows who Keystone Church is. And that means this year, everywhere you turn, Keystone Church will be there, whether it's on a t-shirt. You say, why do we do merch? What's up with merch? It's because we refuse to be ignored. You wear your shirt, people see it, it gets in their mind, and that's to the glory of God. We are shining our light. You're gonna see it on a billboard. You're gonna see it in the mailbox. You're gonna see Keystone here. You're gonna see Keystone there. You're gonna see Keystone everywhere because what's happening in here is too good to keep a secret. It's sinful. It's sinful. It's sinful for us to not stretch and move and proclaim to the mountaintops. God, would you increase our voice into our culture? God, would you grow our influence? It's a biblical thing to grow and shine your light. Susan and I had something powerful happen this year. We, this past year, we did a, a series and we preached a lot of it together and it was called Family Trees. Y'all remember Family Trees? Yeah. Talked about the family. And in that Family Trees series, uh, basically some, some of the stuff went viral and, and it was a very popular series and it helped a lot of people and we were approached about writing a book on parenting and family. And so we said, yes, we're writing a book on parenting and family, it comes out this year. And so it's just growing that voice, getting it out there, get it out there, get it out there, get it out there. We're just gonna do whatever it takes to just get it out there, get it out there. Um, we're gonna enhance our online experience. For those online, we have an incredible crew, hundreds of you who are online, and, and it's not just casually watching. I mean, stubbornly watching as you travel. Uh, some people have homes in other states, and when they're there, I had someone even today say, I'll be out of town next week. I'm so grateful that I get to watch online. We're gonna enhance that experience. We're gonna improve that experience because we always wanna get better. We always wanna grow. How about this vision? We embrace our leadership voice to the culture. We're gonna embrace this year our leadership voice to the culture. The church, this is back to that salt and light. The church must have 
its voice. And we must speak because when the church retreats, it creates a vacuum of leadership and the wrong person always occupies the space where the church retreats. I don't know if y'all are aware, but there's an election this year. There's an election this year. So one example of what we're going to do is we're gonna do a whole series leading up to the election on kingdom politics. We're gonna talk about voting, we're gonna talk about issues, and we are, you're like, are they gonna go there? We're going there. And I wanna tell you why. If only for the young generation. If only for the young generation we would do it. Because the young generation, if we do not help them understand kingdom politics. Notice I'm not saying a party here or a party there. Parties come and go, politicians come and go, and there's no politician who is the reincarnation of of John the Baptist or Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something. There's no perfect politician, there's no perfect party, but there is a perfect kingdom. And then when we speak the kingdom of God over issues, because I'm telling you, issues have come and they are knocking on the door of the church because there is evil in our culture. And when the church is silent on evil, we, we just give away that space to the enemy. We will not be silent. We must have leadership. This is what the Bible says in Matthew 5, 13. You are salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. God wants our voice to be heard. God wants us to be speaking, and we will speak. I don't want God to look at Keystone and say, if you're not gonna say anything, you're just like salt, worthless. So we're gonna talk about what the kingdom looks like. We're gonna talk about how to vote. We're gonna talk about issues. All, all, when an issue comes up and we believe it rises to the level that requires a voice, we will speak. And you already know this. This is what we do. And so I'm, I'm letting you know so you can begin praying now as we begin to orchestrate these things that God would continue to give us his voice for these issues. God's given us a vision to have a leadership voice to our culture. God's given us a vision to show the hurting world that Keystone cares. Last year, we launched a ministry called Keystone Cares, and it took off like a rocket. We helped a lot of people, and we wanna continue. And and really, the vision is we wanna build on that. We wanna grow it. We wanna do more. We wanna build more. We wanna help more people that are in poverty. Keystone, we want to step into that space and be the hands and feet of Christ. I talk about a leadership voice. We don't just talk, 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 talk the walk. We get up, we roll our sleeves, and we get our hands in the dirt. We're gonna help people this year. Are you excited about that? Keystone cares. And then a vision to unlock the potential of the young generation. It's already started coming out of me. This church has a passion for the young generation. We don't hide it, we don't apologize for it. I just remember when I was in students, my life was changed. Why would I not want other people's lives to be changed? When I was in high school, I was winning my friends to Jesus. Why wouldn't we help our students win their friends to Jesus? When I was in high school, I prayed for my school and I prayed for the lost kids in my school. We wanna raise up a generation that cares for their school. And this year, we're gonna do everything we can to move into multiple school districts. We're gonna go into South Lake. We're gonna go to Byron. We're gonna go down in Faith. We're gonna go to all the different school districts and we can fight it out on the football field. But when we come into this place, this is one house and this is our house. This is God's house. And we're going to raise up the next generation. It's going to be a total blast. We have a vision for over a thousand kids and students to come to our camps this summer. 
We have a vision for that. And it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of scholarshiping. It's going to take buses. It's going to take all kinds of stuff. But we have a vision this summer that a thousand kids would be at our camps, over a thousand kids at our camps this summer. And I know that God is going to do that. I believe he will. We're going to see a growing, growing movement across multiple districts. And we're going to give our kids the tools to strengthen their faith. We're gonna teach them how to defend their faith, teach them what they believe in the Bible, teach them how to read the Bible. We're gonna really equip this next generation because otherwise we're just, with the culture as it is, we're just like lambs out there. Like lambs without a shepherd. And we see them and we're gonna go shepherd them. We're gonna provide that leadership voice. And then finally, we have a vision for extraordinary generosity this year. We're gonna be generous unlike we have ever been. Now, the heart of this church is maximum generosity. We're all doing this together. That's our heart. We all do this together. And it's not about how much you give. It's about the heart of the gift. It's, it's not equal gifts. It's equal hearts. And the heart is always passion. That's the tone. Never twisted arms, always willing hearts. That's what it means to give at Keystone Church. And we are passionate about generosity. So it's for everybody. But something really hit my heart I begin to see something happening in other churches. And as I begin to see this happening, I begin to study it. I love, I'm a, I'm a church nerd. Like I love studying church. I love studying the movement of God in other places. And I, I always wanna bring that to Keystone. I always wanna learn more and keep growing. And I begin to see something and I begin to ask the question, is that for us? And, and here's the truth behind it. If you know how to sing real well, we're gonna grow your gift of singing. You see students on this stage singing, you see a choir, we're growing that gift of singing. I've, been, I've seen that even in my own family, people pouring into my kids, growing their gifts. If you have the gift of organizing, we have a place for you. Like crazy, we have a place for you. If you have the gift of leadership, we have a place for you. If you have the gift of creativity, like you love designing, that was me designing. <laughs> if you, if you, we have a place for you, with, with, especially with our women's ministry and some of the stuff we love to do with our fun stuff. We have a place for you and we'll equip you and we'll do that. Do you know there's another gift in the Bible? The gift of generosity. And I was convicted. We will really work hard to grow and develop and flan, fan into the flames those gifts. And yet, because it's money, we don't talk about that gift. God clearly says some people have the gift of generosity. So we're gonna start a ministry this year. I don't know what it's gonna be called yet. We're gonna start a ministry that really fans the flame for those who believe they have the gift of generosity. And often, it's like the husband or the wife is going, they do, they do. And, and, and maybe you're here today and you're like, what's, what's this? What's this? You're a little kind of frowning at me right now. Like, what's this? I'm not talking to you. You don't have the gift of generosity. <laughs> you don't have it. This ain't for you. If you're, the person that this is for is whenever I say, man, we're going to fan and flame the gift of generosity. Like it happened after the nine o'clock, I had somebody come up to me and say, and I mean, he's like ready to go. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. And we're going to do that. And he said to me, he said, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for seeing what's in my heart and wanting to grow this. I can't wait for you to grow this in me. Elder, older man, tears in his eyes. Just couldn't stop talking to me about it. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. We're gonna do this. So this is the vision, six things. How am I gonna do this, Brandon? Pray this prayer, three things. Three things. God, would you build my life? God, would you build my family? And God, would you build this church? Just join me in praying for these three things. God, would you build my life? We're gonna build life. 
revival nights, building life. We're launching us next week is Super Bowl week. We're gonna have a total blast. T-shirt day too, by the way. Didn't know if you knew that. But it's a series on the Holy Spirit. And some of you are gonna experience the Holy Spirit in a way you never knew was possible. And it's gonna open up your life. And you're gonna say, my life was impacted this year. God build my life. We're gonna have fun stuff. Women's conference, Mother's Day, Father's Day. All of those are gonna be huge mountaintop moments. God build my life. But also, God, would you, would you build my family? The book is coming out. We're also looking at a, an event in the fall just for parenting. We're gonna build your, your parenting. We're gonna help you. We're gonna help you. We're gonna show you what the word of God says. Because if we're just doing what we inherited from our parents, no wonder there's so many dysfunctions. We're gonna help. We're gonna help. We're gonna bring in voices that help. It's gonna be powerful. And God, build this church through extraordinary generosity, through us all serving and inviting like never before. What God could you do? Every day I pray, God, build this church. I drive by, God, build this church. Stretch out my hand, God, build this church. God, build this church. Would you join me in praying? God, build this church, build my family and build this life. God, we trust you, we love you, and we thank you for who you are, for what you want done. Help us to see what you see. Help us to be what you know we could be. God, I pray for authority in this house. Pray for gifts to unlock in this house. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we celebrate what God's gonna do this year, church? Come on. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about Keystone Church, please visit us at keystonechurch.com.